Hey devs, you're tuning into the debug log number 33. So, have you ever sat down to work on your game or project and just felt too exhausted, uninspired, or unmotivated to work on it? Like, you open up Unity and you see that importing screen and you're like, a uh, perfect excuse to not work on it today. If so, this episode is for you. On today's episode, the gents uh, Sans Eduardo, who's here in spirit, discuss ways we've discovered to help maintain motivation while working on a project. We've carved out four discrete steps applicable to both the AAA game studio and the indie developer. Steps that you can take to help improve motivation about your project, your team, and for yourself. So, without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 33. Our closest Walmart is in, um, I think it's like near Fremont too. Yeah, but we got a Target just down the street from work, so. It's true. Yeah. Oh shit, dog, really? Yeah. <laughs> and a Toys R Us next to it. Damn. Bullshit. Paradise. You lucky as fuck. <laughs> you lucky as fuck. You're listening to The Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Obino Oparam. I'm Andrew Curry. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Ryan Eduardo Kilgore. Is it Eduardo <laughs> Kilgore? Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, Andrew has finally released his uh, death grip on intros, so here we are starting again. This episode's all about maintaining motivation in game development. So today we're going to talk about... Um, how to basically increase motivation about your project, uh, about, you know, for your team and also like keeping your motivation and inspiration about your project for yourself. So we're going to run through a couple of different points that we've outlined. Uh, I think four points that we outlined about best ways and best practices for maintaining motivation, uh, during a project and during, and during game development. Um, so yeah, oh, being um, before we get started, are we going to get deep on this one? We're going to get so deep, All right. really, really deep. Yeah, I actually came with some crazy little headers, so maybe I'll, I'll spice or put those out there as well. Um, so, yeah, before we like get started with, like, um, I guess, like ways to increase motivation, uh, I think it's good to first outline and, and I identify like ways to prevent like some preventive measures so your motivation doesn't, you know, hit a downside uh, on, on the onset of a project. And uh, we- one of the first... Go Real ahead. quick, I just want to ask a question. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But right. <laughs> before we, are we talking? This is the second time you interrupted me, I, Andrew, and I, I can't take it anymore. But, but don't you do, do, it do that again. in every show. You're like, let's rewind it back. Hold on. That's I'm my just, role I, in the show is to interrupt you. You, yeah. you don't do that. Well, now it's a counterpoint. I just want to know. Yeah, like, you guys have switched. <laughs> if are we talking about innovation for like a big projects, like if you work at a studio, or are we talking about like your own uh, like projects that are in your complete control? No, I think the the steps that we've outlined in this episode is going to be almost almost universal. So whether you're working for a AAA company, you have your or you're doing your own project, or you're with a team doing a project. So I think in all three cases, this is going to be applicable. So I think anybody anywhere you are in game development, I think you should sit down, grab a notebook, and take some notes because that's think these are all good for all all walks of life i guess in the game development realm so to answer your question is that that fine and andrew yeah no more interruptions that's fine thank you all right continue cool so one of the first things i want to do is in outline is is like 
to one of the first steps I think you should take to maintain motivation and keep inspiration up about game dev is to identify like your roadblocks. Um, and I think the first thing we can do is like cover some of the common roadblocks in game dev. Um, and that is what I called the three T's of game development and earn roadblocks. And that is time, talent and team size. Uh, so when we're talking about time, we're talking about uh, which is probably the most obvious roadblock. And that is that time has like an almost universal effect on production of a game. You know, whether you have time to create it because you could have like a nine to five job Um Basically, just how much time you can devote to a game and to a project, um, which influences the scope of the project. And all of that really affects your motivation behind a project. Um, so, yeah, any guys you guys want to talk about time and how it affects, you know, motivation um, adversely or, you know, positively? Um, well, I know, that, like, you know, like you said, it, it can kind of have a an effect both ways. I guess personally, I feel like it's, it's mostly a roadblock from, or mostly a roadblock and more of a negative sense type of thing, because it just never seems to be enough hours in the day, or it never seems to be enough days in the week or weeks in a sprint or whatever. Um, it just seems like time is always like a huge roadblock to motivation. Cause you know, as, as you start doing something, you know, you just kind of see these like, you know, windows closing on you. You're like, Oh shit. You know, I got to get all this stuff done. The release date's coming up here. The milestone date's coming up there. So it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to keep motivation when those time frames are sort of like, you know, really sort of crunching you down like that. So, yeah, and I, I like the, like the, the position you took is like when you, sometimes you, your time could be affected by like dates and time and milestones, like actual deliverable times, uh, timestamps that you have to meet. Uh, and that could be a, a huge stressor. Uh, but on the other side, like for the indie dev, time can just be, you know, I just don't have time to do it. Right. Not because I don't want to. It's just that I can't make time. I have a family and I'm taking care of. I have another nine to five job I'm having. Uh, you know, I have a new baby. You know, there's so many things that could eat away at your time that you really just you can't control. And it's another uncontrollable. So ident- this is why we're trying to identify, you know, common roadblocks that, you know, everyone is going to inf- or going to come in contact with. So it's good to, you know preempt these things like time you can't control you need to understand that it's going to be a roadblock um and just planning for that before you get started before you start any like before you start programming for the day or or writing or sculpting the model for the day just understand that you might be limited on time um so yeah well and and just you can go the opposite direction too because time the limited time you know time is a infinite resource, but we only have a limited version, a limited amount of it, unfortunately. But you could go the other direction as far as motivation is concerned, saying that, well, you know, if you don't actually, if it's an indie project and you don't put milestones upon yourself, you're like, well, I'm going to get around to doing that when I have the time or like I have a year to put the game design together. So when there's actually sometimes when there's a lot of time you think you have to put something together, you might not have the motivation to do it. So exactly. there, there, there might be a balance of what we talked about tonight about finding a balance between I have no time and also, yeah, I'll get around to it. You know, that's, a, <laughs> exactly. that's part of yeah. this discussion, I think too. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and I, it works the same for uh, like AAA and big studios as well It's like, having too much time or early the idea that you have too much time and this comes down to like project management i guess for bigger companies but you know if you if you're not seeing the amount of time that you have properly or not you know taking into account you can maybe over scope at times and then 
you know, like I think we mentioned like destiny and just like how you can overscope and then not plan for certain things because you, you weren't really taking time into account. That's our ongoing theme is that (laughs) limitations are the catalyst for creativity. Right. That's true. And that's, that's that happens in all things. And that's a, that's a big finding that sweet spot of those limitations to boundless, you know, ability is what, is the secret of motivation. I think that's, that's kind of a neat thing to talk about in that's with true. these in mind. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that that's good for time. I think uh, one of the second, the second T's to the, the three T's in roadblocks that you should know about and plan for is talent. And uh, by talent, I mean like, you know, the, well, this is kind of self-explanatory, but ta- talent in the sense, like what you can bring to a project, like, um, um, if you, you know, some people are not really well versed. Well, I guess we can step back and just say that rarely, especially like for an indie developer, rarely is the case where you are a jack of all trades and you can do the programming for a project. You can do the art for the project, the art direction, uh, the sound design. There's rarely the case where you'll find a single individual that can handle all aspects of game development, uh, like including like project management and marketing. So, you know, knowing that it's going to be rare that you can possibly, you know, conceivably do everything for a project, you need to understand that you may need to outsource some things if you're an indie developer developer, or um, you may have to scale back on like what you want to deliver as far as the project goes. And, and basically this also comes in down to like sp- scoping of a project, which again, affects, um, you know, your motivation. So if you, if you plan for, like you said, the limitations and understand the limitations for a project and how you can utilize certain talents of yours or from others, um, it helps to basically, um, what's the word I'm looking for? control or manage expectations uh, with as it relates to talent and for the project. So that will help increase motivation if you are, can accurately and successfully manage expectations with the talent that you have um, for a project. Yeah. And also maximizing yeah. the talent base to your, I mean, maximizing your project and the scope, like you said, to your, whatever your talents are, whatever your team talents are. It's like the startup world. Like the th- big thing I'm thinking about just in life and these projects in general is like, what is your unfair advantage? That's like a, you know, buzzword all the time, but that's true. So, I mean, there's so many people doing projects, but what is your unfair advantage? Meaning what are, what are the talents that you bring to the project? What are the perspectives you bring and scoping the project around that you and your friends or whoever it is. And that can mean, but when you're doing that, that can kind of maximize your motivation because you know, you're, you know, uh, the, at uh, the most efficient in creating a project. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I've actually uh, seen a situation recently at work where it was like, you know, that the, uh, the whole talent portion of it actually is like having a real effect on say some of our animators right now. It's like, they're, they're really re- waiting on like, you know, a final rig and I can kind of see them sort of like, they really want to, you're chomping at the bit to work, but they can't because this rig isn't being finalized. So, you know, some things just had to give there and like, you know, they had to rearrange actually, Oh, being a, we traded off like an engineer to, you know, another team for a little bit just to get a tools person who could develop a rig to sort of like get that unblocked so that, you know, that whole talent roadblock, that was just a way for us to manage it and try to get those, you know, those animators happy and producing again. That way, you know, we're not held up on a, you know, a certain level, our quality is not held up because of something like that. Exactly. And, and, and that being held up on uh, a project or any task, it, it's kind of, 
of it kind of can be really defeating, even though, you know, you, you really don't have the tools to do it. Just being sitting there and being idle sometimes is really defeating. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely good. That's why it's one of those preemptive uh, measures that you could take. It's, it's taking talent into consideration and being able to deliver on those so for for your talent, because if someone has amazing talent and you're really not utilizing them or you're not being utilized in the way you want to be utilized. Uh, it's really can be a stressor on your motivation. Um, yeah, we, so yeah. that's what. And we talk about that all the time, too. It's like one of the things that we talk about employees always want to have or just to, people want to have in general when they're working on a project. You want to feel like you're challenged and like you're making a difference, have some bit of autonomy over something. Mm-hmm. And so if they're just you know, spinning their wheels, it's like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I here? What am I doing? Yeah, they don't they don't feel needed. And then, you know, maybe the, they're not producing and then everybody else is like not seeing a good result. And then, yeah, it just it's kind of a spiral. So it's just something you need to like unblock, you know, word. Sweet. So, yeah, uh, as far as like the final T in our, uh, you know, Triangle illustrious, yeah, illustrious tees <laughs> is <laughs> is the team size, which is another huge, uh, you know, stressor that could or can be a stressor on motivation or something that can really motivate you is the size of your team. Um, and uh, again, all of these really kind of curtail into like scoping of a project. Um, I kind of want to get Zach's perspective on this, but you know, as an indie developer. Um, when you're starting out, like, especially like if you just say, I just graduated college or maybe you're graduating high school and you're just like, Hey, you know what? I really want to get into games. I'm going to make a MMO. And, you know, as a solo dev, (laughs) (laughs) let's bite off the biggest thing possible. Speaking for a friend here, speaking from a friend (laughs) for some random guy. I know anyway, but getting like the team sizes can, is a huge, can be a huge stretch of like, especially if you try to do accomplish something that you really can't do. Um, like say you, especially if all three, all three T's are against you, say you don't have the time to do it. You don't have the talent and then your team size for the scope of the project you're trying to create. That could be a huge stressor on your motivation. Um, so it's good to take in consideration your the size of your team, um, again, and the talent of your team to help drive your motivation. So try to stick with something that you can do get with the team size you have. Um, I don't know if, Zach, you want to add any more to that? Um, just that, like, sometimes with, the, with a larger team, you might have to break up tasks and, and you might not get the tasks you want. Uh, I've seen that several times as well as like, I mean, just in general for all three, um, Andrew and I, when I, when I first started working him, uh, made a, I guess an idea for a game and we're like, Oh yeah, we can do this. We, this great. We have all this time while we're working here. Uh, and ends up, you know, working a nine to five job, uh, where we're working is, is a little bit more stressful than we thought. And then we didn't quite have the talents to, to create all the art for the, uh, the Speak idea that we want. Yourself, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyways, uh, but yeah. so we didn't okay. have quite all the yeah. all the talent we needed to create these uh, the assets that we need. So we're here, you know, making, you know, programmer art and it's not quite working out. And then on top of that, we didn't have enough uh, enough help. So it was just Andrew and I. So we, we didn't quite have enough, uh, I guess, all three of them. So we didn't have time. We didn't have the, the talent to make the art and we didn't have the numbers we needed to, to create a game of the scope that we had originally designed. So, yeah. So yeah, that's why it's really always good to keep that in mind before starting a project. Like if you know, you're not going to have, you know, 20 or, you know, five programmers and three artists to help, 
you know, achieve this monster goal that you have, it's best to on the onset, just scale down what you're trying to do, um, because that that's really going to eat away at your motivation if you're not able to accomplish what you need to accomplish by certain times, uh, by certain milestones or just in general. If you know it's just impossible to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so that's the best way to, you know, preemptively plan for motivation yeah. and building motivation. Yeah. And that, and that and goes I, to that. I've, I've, oh. Go ahead. Oh, OK. I was just going to say, yeah, and I've seen that sort of team size motivation work both ways like you were saying earlier it's like you know with a smaller team you may not have the resources to get everything done but you see a smaller team you can communicate faster and maybe you can even you know find yeah like find ways to sort of outsource pull things off the shelf use third party stuff just you kind of like are more connected and cohesive sometimes and can just sort of iterate faster and sort of share thoughts quicker. And, you know, so that can be a real motivator because you move fast and uh, think fast. Uh, and then but the flip side of that, too, is with team size, maybe you do have a bigger team and you can start sucking in resources like, man, it'd be great if we had that effects uh, artist and say, well, let's just hire an effects artist. You don't always have that luxury, but if you can do that type of thing and just fill that need and say, like, absorb the components as you need them, it's like, great, like team size is blooming. So, but, you know, maybe things get a little more disjoint from day to day, you know, you're not making all the critical decisions about things, but at the same time, you're putting them in other qualified people's hands to do that, you know, so. Yeah. And that goes into that classic idea, especially in the engineering side of like the mythical man month, you know, that classic book by Fred Brooks, like the idea that, Mm -hmm. and that was written like, I don't know, like 50 years ago almost, right? (laughs) The idea that people think that, you know, if you add two developers, three, five, six, seven, eight, that's a seven X addition to that project and it'll get done seven times as faster. And that's not true. We all know that's not true because people have to communicate again. Now you have to bring in project managers to do that because if it's two people, two people can code really efficiently if they're the size of the project is effective. But if it needs, you know, 50 programmers, good luck organizing those programmers and also getting people (laughs) on board and getting people on the same page. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's the same way with like, you know, like two graphics cards don't equal two X. It's like, yeah, 1.25 X maybe, you know? So it's like that, that yeah. it, sometimes the team can get so unwieldy or it doesn't add the same thing. So again, like you said, it, it can add, it can be a detriment because then you can feel like we should be flying on this and we're not doing anything. And now everybody's fighting. So yeah. that again, on both sides of that, that can be a detriment to your motivation. Cool. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like um, we've really knocked that home. So I think just to reiterate uh, the main point here is that is to identify the roadblocks, these common roadblocks that are going to exist no matter where you are in your game dev uh career, whether it's indie developers, AAA developers, team size, no matter what, is to identify that you are going to be limited on time in some regard, or maybe not limited in time, just making plans for that to increase your motivation. You're going to be limited or not limited by talent. Um, so you need to plan your project for that uh, and plan yourself for that. And then you might be limited on team size. Um, so planning for a team size and planning your project to cater to a team size that fits the project. So that, those are all things that you can do preemptively to help increase motivation and maintain motivation throughout a project. Um, the second point I want to get to is to be cautious of your competition. And I, I mean this that in the sense that, you know, competition can be a good thing and a, a bad thing. What I what we put here is just uh, competition has the uh, ability to be a double edged sword. There's a good side to competition and bad side. My competition, I mean, you know, other games that are doing similar things to your game or might be trying to target the same market as your game. Um, 
So I guess we'll just break down like some of the good, the bad and the ugly of, you know, what competition can do for your motivation. Um, And we'll just start with the good. And I guess the most obvious one for me is just like competition is where you want to look first. That's like when you're doing your research. I I think we talked in our game design, um, game design documents, a prototype uh, episode is just, you know, they're good for your research. You want to go out and look at the competition, see what they're doing right and see what you want to improve upon. Um, There's clones for a reason. There's, you know, all these Flappy Bird clones, you know, Frogger clones that were built for a reason is that people saw and did research on them and they were still competition, but you know, they were able to capitalize on competition and learn from them. Um, oh, even better in that case, did you say that you said the crossroad clones crossroad is a clone of Frogger. So yeah, it's like, <laughs> or like, you know, angry birds, there's that where there's that, what is that seat like crash the castle or something game that flash game from a few years ago which is basically angry birds so it's Mm -hmm. like there's games that take that research and use it in a more effective way they communicate that message and through research you know and then they they get more successful so yeah not even just the clones it's like well we don't know our clones or become the successful ones yeah anyone else want to chime in on the other good aspects of competition other good aspects of competition? Well, sometimes it can like sort of work in the like you see it and you're like, yeah, you're kind of doing what I thought I was, you know, like the idea I sort of have, but I can do that better. Like I, you know, I've just, I've seen things sometimes where it's like, this is almost what I want, but I think th- these aspects of it suck. Or maybe I just take something else, you know, like you said, yeah. with the research aspect from that be like, oh shit, this, this mechanic would work really good on top of what I'm doing. And they haven't even thought of this other thing that I'm doing. So, you know, hopefully you can find situations like that where it's just like, you know, you can just sort of suck in things that, you know, emphasize and you're know, like, augment and elevate your stuff exactly and yeah, i think that, if, go ahead go ahead <laughs> i just uh, i was just gonna say real quick that all art is plagiarism it's just finding enough of a mashup of different aspects of the things you love and games you like and the things like hey i could do that better with this but what if i brought this other game so you're not even really making something original but that's all you know creation as you're building on top of things and but you're trying to make something unique out of all those pieces so that's essential right. to this process Exactly, because how many RPGs are just basically built off of Dungeons and Dragons rules? They all are. And things That's like that. The question yeah, like, they all are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like to the colors. But they're all doing it a little different, putting a new veneer yeah. on it, and so you know it it makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, a good example of this is uh, Andrew was telling me about a game that he wanted to make a few months ago. And he's like, oh, it would be a great idea. It's like a survival game. And it'll, it'll it has all these different. Don't uh, talk about the idea to- right now. What are you doing? <laughs> In vain terms. Don't share it. <laughs> um, anyways. <laughs> so he was telling me about it. And then uh, like a few months later, we see it released on Steam. Yeah. Someone similar to it. It doesn't have all the same aspects. Like I believe the one that that Andrew was gonna make was a lot lot more detailed, a lot better, and you, the the mechanics were a lot smoother. Um, but it, it's kind of like a motivation to say, okay, look, they just released this, they made this much money, and the game I had designed is so much better than this. Yeah, I need to get my button gear and get this out. Right. But uh, but on the other hand, you see that okay, well now mine's gonna be viewed as a clone. Right. So. And that pushes you farther to say, well, you know what? Maybe that was a kind of a weak idea. Maybe I can push forward and make that even something even more original, you know? Right. Yeah. And that, that actually ties in or segues us into like the bad part, the bad and the ugly of, you know, competition. And that is when you look at competition, like you said, when you see that that game that was released on Steam, it's like, oh, they're doing the exact same thing I'm doing. 
why do I need to do it? Like, what's the purpose of, yeah, and, and they're making a lot of money for it. So obviously they did something right. Me trying again is no reason, there's no reason for me to do it, especially if I'm like an indie developer or have very limited resources. There's really no reason to try to hit that mark. Um, so that's where, that's where I feel like it can be demotivating to, you know, see other games are doing the exact same thing or doing something similar or at least, or sometimes just even hitting your target market. Um, it could be, you know, demotivating. Um, so I think that, and especially like, uh, actually I have like a personal story. <laughs> it's like, uh, in like seeing competition that was kind of demotivating. Yeah. Sit down kids. <laughs> Whatever. Grandfather, yeah. tell me a story. <laughs> I have a vengeance. I want to extract on. Something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So anyway, this, this game is a star, star citizen. And it's like, uh, similar to the MMO that I'm working on. Um, but you know, it was like seeing there, cause I was, I've been watching them since the very onset before they've gotten all this money. And before they even had a web- website, they were just like a forum. And, you know, I looked at them and was like, ah, eh, they're doing something similar, but I feel like our game is going to be much better. But then when they have their Kickstarter campaign and everything goes super well, it's like, geez, like what's the, you know, they're, they're pretty much reaching the market that we want to meet. They're, they're have almost the same like a lot of the same design that we want have. It, it's kind of weird. And it felt just demotivating to see such a success. Um, but, you know, beyond that, you know, I guess the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel for me was that, you know, I did, uh, I did some of these little task tacks or tactics that we're talking about now and like identifying those, those three T's and, and knowing our worth and knowing what we had to deliver so I was able to like look past of that competition and then know that, you know, what I'm working on is something that's really great. So it's not no reason to stop and, and uh, you know, abandon that idea. So, I mean, the whole purpose is just it can have negative effects, but it's, it's good to be planning for that and knowing the worth of your project and your idea for a game. And also, there's actually another example of that, because, I mean, I'm not going to spoil your game, but also when Destiny got announced, <laughs> No, I mean I'm not I'm not saying your clones and your games but I'm saying there were similarities, right? Aesthetic and otherwise that we yeah. thought. And we were, you know, we all worked together while the whole ramp up to Destiny is a year out and we're like and we're like and, and Zach and I kept giving you shit as like, hey, this looks kinda like your game, man. And you're looking, you're like, Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean down to characters and stuff, like, hey, uh Obina, this is no, no, I'm not I'm not I'm but this I'm making a better point here. But it's that because all I mean, every game is space marines and other stuff like that. I'm just saying that it look it just a lot of games will look similar when you just see a trailer and we're like yeah it kind of does but of course destiny came out and it's nothing like the game you're making but yeah. you could have given up a year when it got announced and you said hey let's try something else maybe but you kept making your thing and then when it came out I was like hey wait a second this is actually nothing like it and on the top of that people are really pissed at destiny <laughs> you know? so yeah, you're like well exactly. maybe there's a hole there because that that's exactly. a good testament like maybe just because something's exciting and getting all this press doesn't mean it's going to be success doesn't mean people are going to like it and it doesn't mean it's going to do the same things you're trying to do because that can't really be communicated through marketing a lot of the times yeah yes excellent excellent good points so um so yeah, i think that we kind of uh covered the competition it's just uh, like just to reiterate again it's just being cautious of your competition making sure you're you're not just taking the bad from competition and making sure you're milking all that good milk from the the good of competition and that is the <laughs> sweetest of milks <laughs> work on your analogies exactly <laughs> 
<laughs> that was terrible. Oh, oh num, 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 num. You disgusted oh, that's Ryan. That's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jesus Ryan Christ. just made it you ten get a times gold worse. Star. Right? I gotta go have a shower. I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you made it ten times worse with the yum, 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 yum. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so... Uh, getting all you can out of a uh, competition is going to be key to maintaining your motivation. Anyway, so our third point is to find your Zen. And from by that, I mean, like, find what makes you happy about your project. You know, go out and search for it. Sometimes it, it may not come easy to find what really sparks with your project. Sometimes, especially as you as you get to the mid and, you know, end part of your project, it's, it, you kind of lose sight of like, sometimes you can lose sight of what you're working towards and, and how you fell in love with this idea or, um, you know, what really got you motivated to start in the first place. So it's, it's good to always find a positive point of reinforcement and reference for your project and for your team, um, and for your game in general. And, and by, you know, again, by a positive point of reference is just looking at some aspect of your game or some, you know, some storyline plot or some lore part or some music reference. Even it, it could be anything really that that could be the positive point of reference. For me, it was like um, we have some awesome music for our our game, and I sometimes I just like to listen to it. Like when I'm programming or doing something, I just listen to our some of our tracks from our game, and you're like, dang, yeah, these this this music is really inspiring. You know, this art that we've created is really really inspiring, or, or some of the algorithms that we've written are really 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 inspiring so it's really helps you and motivates you to keep you going on something that you know is really good um so it's it's good to just pick a point and pick a place in your project that says hey this is something i'm i really enjoy this is something that really inspires me and motivates me so it helps you it helps keep the ball rolling um and and the funny thing about pick go ahead sorry it might not even be a point in your project that that's your your zen point because like for me it's when I see other people having fun doing game design. It reminds me why I got into game design. The process. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, perfect example. You guys know every time I go to Unite, I end up programming for half of Unite. So <laughs> and that, that's my Zen point is, is I get there and I see how many people love what they do. And I go, oh, you know what? I remember I love what I do. That's it's a not good just point. To work, so. Surrounding yeah. yourself with people that are excited about doing the same thing. Not even that's if they're making your true. game like at meetups and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm hmm. Just kind of quickening, yeah. And and like that's yeah, what you said is so true, Obina, because that your game is the perfect example of that that you're working on, and you would share concept art. And we mentioned this in an episode before. I don't know which one it was about how a lot of times people always misconceive the idea of concept art as being that yeah, concept art is you're designing the characters and the people make them. You're like yeah, yeah, that's true. But it also serves as things that people post on their walls and people have as their desktops while they're making the game. Because like those concept arts are these, this is the, you know, this is the milestone and this is the road sign of where we're going. And it makes me, it feels, it makes it feel more real, makes the world or whatever we're doing feel more real. And you'd always share the music and concept art with us. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But that, keep, that makes the project seem legitimate for everybody working on it when it's just, you're making some kind of networking function, you know, like how is this going to translate into a huge game? Cause it can be overwhelming because they're such big projects. Yeah. I, yeah mean, I, I mean, that's why big studios do that. They, 
Like they'll be working on a game like, you know, like, I don't know, Destiny, like Blizzard Warcraft or something. That's why they erect statues, put up this like huge concept art in the lobby. It's like, remember, this is the end goal, this sort of feeling, this sort of idea, you know, it actually takes you back to sort of the like the kernel or the nexus of like what spawned all of this a lot of the time. And that's when you really sort of feel that warm place. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is why we're doing it. It's not me getting caught up in like, you know, like some algorithm that isn't cooperating or some network troubleshooting. It's like, oh, yeah, we're making a fun, kick-ass space fantasy game. Let's mm-hmm. let's remember that and what that's going to be in the end. Yeah. Exactly. Sweet. Yeah, and I think that uh, this kind of segues into our final point, which is basically just to praise your progress um, and that you, like, recognize the work that you're doing. It, it's, it's so easy and so... So easy, really, to get in the habit of just brushing off what you've done in that in that day. You know, you maybe you write, like you said, the, a networking algorithm that that is, you know, putting like five entities on the screen and that's it. And you're like, you just kind of shrug it off as if, if it's just another task that you did. But really, it's really not just another task. It's something that really is contributing to a larger portion, like you said, Andrew. And that's something that really needs to be praised. And you really need to recognize the work that you're doing every single day, whether it's small or large, whether it's like a model you scoped, sculpted that day, whether it's a piece of concept art you did, or maybe just a design decision that you made. Make sure you praise your progress and understand that these are small pieces um you know all those small pieces they're like a huge 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 have a huge impact on the game or the overall game overall uh, idea that you're trying to convey to the end user which is the the player so i like like what you said there um about like uh, making the design decision Um, i mean of course i only only (laughs) deliver gold um but uh, there's been a lot of times where i've been in, in a project in for an entire day, I'm sitting there in a meeting trying to discuss things. And at the end, I just feel like, oh, well, I could have just been coding all day today. But the decisions I was I was there and the decisions we made by the end of the meeting are integral in the in the development process and really move the game forward rather than just say me sitting there coding on what, what this guy does. Instead, we decide, OK, well, this entire game is going to make this move at this point. So, I mean, mm-hmm. those those are still big, big jumps in, in development that it just might not feel that way. Yeah. And like you said, you have to like uh, take a, a celebration moment each time you finish something, because that's something I, I don't know what it was. It's one of those, I like watching behind the scenes and like movies, documentary things. And it was probably one of those big special effects when he was like Lord of the Rings or something, but it showed like the effects team and the people like just killing themselves. But every Friday they'd get together in the theater and they'd show all the shots they worked on that week and they'd show them off. And everyone's like, oh, and they're cheering and they're having like a beer, you know, it's like Beer Friday or something. And that's that's something to think about at a studio you're creating or environment you're at. Or also if you're working as in even as a solo dev, take, you know, at your, the end of your sprints, the sprints, you know, kind of form a natural conclusion of a period of work and celebrate what you've done. You know, share it with your friends, share it, look, tell people about it. Everybody share the work you're doing, they're doing, you know, because people need that. You need a little bit of that <laughs> ritual, you know, celebration bacchanalia just to burn off that steam because you're going to get burned out if you don't. And that's motivation is not going to last into the next sprint, into the rest yes. of the game. 
Yeah, and, and sharing sharing that sharing that sugar is what we say here. Sharing the sugar and sharing, sharing what you've been working <laughs> and what you've been working on, like you said, is motivation. It, when people give you feedback, us uh, uh, you got to be wary of people on the internet. Though they could give you some crazy. Well, feedback. not them. Yeah, yeah. Ignore them. But, they, you yeah. know, there's times where they're going to give you a lot of constructive criticism, a lot of positive feedback, whether you're sharing with your friends, your family members or uh, like what we recommend is, you know, just sharing it on our debug lounge, sharing yeah, it absolutely. on forums. Um, I know we there, we have this Slack channel that uh, I forgot who recommended someone on the lounge told us about it. Uh, but we joined the Slack channel, the Unity Slack channel, and people are just sharing there all the time. And I feel like it's so helpful. You're able to see people's trailers, see what code they're working on what models they've created that day. And it really motivates you. Like you said, Zach, it's almost like being in that Unite conference. It's just people are working on games all the time and you get to see and, and get inspired by games people are creating. creating. So it, it inspires you and it motivates yeah. you to continue what you're doing um, and, and sharing that as well. So constantly do be that. sharing... And do that in the debug lounge because if people are dicks, we'll kick them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'll just, <laughs> the ban hammer will come down if people are being irrational Except assholes. For me, I'm an admin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Diplomatic yeah. community. <laughs> yeah, the, the lounge is a great place to do it for, for sure because, I mean, everyone in there is constantly giving like great feedback and constructive criticisms and like just, mo- and, actually giving you tips and tricks that you may have not have thought about to like approach a specific problem. So if you give problems or if you have a, um, a video that you want to share, people are always giving good feedback. So I really love the lounge and that, um, that's me being biased and me not being biased at the same time. So anyway, so definitely share as a, whether you're a solo dev and like uh, Andrew said earlier, just like sprint reviews, if you're in a AAA studio or some bigger uh, studio, then you definitely want to constantly be sharing the art you're working on, um, what you've decisions, like you said, uh, decisions you've made in design. Uh, but because th- there's just so much of value and appeal that goes into all those things. Um, yeah. Cool. So um, how about, I guess, I mean, those were my four major points and, and then I'll just repeat them one more time. But of course, this is going to be in our show notes is that is to identify your roadblocks, you know, keep in mind of the three T's time, talent, the triangle, that's yeah, the triangle, Bermuda the, triangle. That's what it is. That That's not a good one. That's not a good, it is. <laughs> Wait, that's not a good place to be. You don't want to be in the Bermuda triangle. But, <laughs> Exactly. I know because you get stuck there. They're roadblocks. Exactly, well, yeah, it works yeah, perfectly. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I see where you go with that. But we're trying to make again working on our analogies. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah, working on it. You so said anyway. milking it earlier. Just Peter. every oh, last yeah. drop. I was oh out. yes. <laughs> From the three T's. I was, I was out of line. Okay, all right. I'm sorry, Peter. Keep going. Anyway, stop derailing me. Anyway, yeah, the three T's: time, talent, team size. Second big major point is to be cautious of competition because um, there are good and bad p- portions of, of competition, the double edged sword, if you will. Our third point was to find your Zen. That means to pick a positive point of reference in your game uh, or out of your game or just in people around you or community around you. Find something to look towards that's going to keep you main, uh, maintain your motivation. And finally is to praise your progress. Share the sugar. Show people what you're working on. Uh, show your family. Show your friends. Show other game developers. Show the debugging lounge for sure, because um, we're excited to give our feedback and everyone else is excited to see what you're working on. Um, so, yeah, those are the f- our four major points. Take them, use them, work with them, caress them, love them, enjoy them. Oh, yeah. Uh, so finally. Oh, yeah. Um, so how about actually let's go around and see if you guys get some last words of motivation. What would you tell people, our, our TDLers? 
uh, to motivate um, them in their projects. Well, what, one of the things that, that I uh, I had a bad habit of doing was, you know, I, my milestones are very far apart. And that tends to, to kill my motivation. But one of the new, the things I've been doing recently is breaking, taking milestones and making them much smaller. And that way I feel that that sense of uh, of accomplishment when I finish it, even if it's just like, OK, today I'm going to make sure that all my character controllers in every scene that they're in are the same height, like something that small. And then getting that complete, it's like, OK, yeah, I just mark something off my to do list. And that helps me really stay stay in it and see that I'm making progress towards my end goal. Yum, yum, yum. Me like him. What you got for us, Ryan? Well, I guess mine goes back to uh, just like sort of remembering why I, you know, why I do it and why I'm here that I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So, you know, I think about a lot of time in some, you know, games I worked on in the past. It's like, you know, sometimes it's like I'm sitting here writing code to make like robots fart or something like that. Or like, you know, some crazy <laughs> wizard to like cast an ice spell and like yell crazy things at people. It's, you know, it's it's kind of getting back to like, you know, what what would I rather be doing? I really like doing this. I like I'm an engineer. I like solving problems. And sometimes those problems get in my way. They, you know, become a roadblock or like maybe there's some sort of procedural thing happening at the office. It's annoying me. But remembering at the end of the day, it's like, hey, somebody is going to have this farting robot in their hands and experience that at the end of the day. <laughs> and I hope it brings the biggest smile to their faces. It doesn't mind because that's why I do it. It's like it's interactive. It's fun. It's social. And it's, you know, it's entertainment. And so that's kind of where I try to step back to. That's that's my little happy place is to think. Yeah, shit's going to go wrong, but in the end, like what we do is so much fun and we do it because we love it. So that's kind of where I try to fall back to. Yeah. Not, not everybody gets to make yeah. a funny <laughs> so. Well, you can do that in your own time, Zang. <laughs> yeah, for each. Yeah, I would say that my big thing thinking about motivation is that it's more like what Zach talked about earlier is the journey of it, you know, the process. Like he loves when everybody's talking, you know. And that that's the big thing, because games, no matter what they are, if you have 100 people, you know, Assassin's Creed still takes two years, you know, an indie game still takes two years. So the scope is relative, but the project taking long time, a long time still remains the same. So it's not sometimes it's not just about motivation. It's about doing it every day. And a way to do that, you know, it's like Ryan said, is to put a little perspective on it, you know, and see where you're going or like, you know, Zach said, enjoy the journey part of it. And I, there's one quote that I love so much that I, I forgot who it's by. I don't know the person, but it says, motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going. And I think that's essential. It's forming some kind of work habit around the stuff you do. Because like writers do this, all types of creative people, smart creative people do this. Because you can kind of get lax with this with a creative project if you're doing it on the side. Because like, I just don't feel like doing this tonight. I don't feel like. But it's not about whether you're going to do it tonight. If you're going to be a professional about it, you're going to do the we work. Do you need tonight. to. Yeah. Wait, yeah, we're going to do this. <laughs> Don't force me. <laughs> but you need an adult. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's about right. setting apart that time every night or whenever it is to say, I'm going to work on this, no matter if I'm inspired or not, because you're going to get into it once you keep doing it, because that's the only way you're going to keep forming a habit. And the habit is what gets you there. You know, that's how writers work. They say, I'm going to do this many words a day. But even if I sucked, I still did it. And tomorrow I can come back and keep going. So. I think that's the big thing about motivation is that it's much more than just being, I'm inspired every day. It's lovely. It's like, it's not like that. It's hard. And some days you're going to have a bug that you're working on for two weeks, but you got to push through. And the only way you can do that is th with consistency. So that's what Preach. I'd say. 
Amen. So yeah, I would just I'm just going to echo what everyone said because I think you guys said put it nicely and um, yeah, it's just really just recognizing how uniquely gifted you guys are because game developers are pretty uniquely gifted and being that creative having that creative mindset and creative skill set, uh, not everyone has. So I think just recognizing the skill and the talent that you you do have, even to just approach making a game, whether you're an indie developer or not, just approaching that that task of making something so huge, uh, something so I, I, even volatile is just a huge step. So, you know, an entrepreneur, it takes an entrepreneur um, uh, mindset, takes a, a creative mindset uh, and takes a skill set that a lot of people do not have. So, you know, just stepping out and, and making a game, you know, grabbing a, a Unity engine or whatever game engine, learning a language, um, learning how to sculpt models. It just takes a lot um, of effort. And, you know, everyone is really uniquely talented and, and experienced to have this, you know, to approach games in this way. So kudos to everyone. Um, oh, and, and I guess I'll, I'll shout, shout one out for Eduardo and his is to dress for success and he learned from the best. That's his motivation. <laughs> yeah, dress for success. Exactly. He looks successful um, every day. So yeah. yeah. If you look good, you feel good. Exactly. Cool. So that just that wraps up our episode on maintaining motivation in game development. Um, I guess to end, we'll just talk about our new uh, debug lounge show, um, which we'll start recording in a couple weeks from now. And we've already got our first two guests, I, which is uh, Michael and Kaylin. I will not try to attempt their last names because they're crazy. We have a, <laughs> we have a diverse community yes yeah we have a diverse community uh so it's going to be awesome to have them them on our show to be our beta testers and and our first uh interviewees uh for the debug lounge which is our going to be our swanky new show and you know it's going to be just 15 30 minutes of you know just to sit down with each developer and letting them tell us about and telling the community about what they're working on what they're excited about how they got into games why they're passionate about what they're working on so that should be fun uh again this is going to be from any skill set, whether you're a programmer, artist, designer, producer, we're, we're going to try to have everyone, every aspect of game development on this show, and it should be great. No marketers. Um, outside of that, we also have our no I'm marketers. <laughs> you want to tell us a little about uh, the lounge, uh, Andrew? Talk about the lounge. Oh, yeah. Facebook so group. the way you get in on that action, like you said, is that you join our private <laughs> elite face. No, it's not elite. <laughs> it's the, our Facebook group, uh, the Debug Lounge. And to do that, you can search for it on Facebook or you can go, join, go to our website, thedebuglog.com, and join our newsletter, The Loop. And we'll, Eduardo will sign you up through that. And on the Debug Lounge, it's a bunch of, it's a range of things. So people giving questions, sharing what they're working on. We're getting a big influx of people right now. Because a lot of these episodes have been doing pretty well. So it's really neat to have a lot of new voices and everybody kind of turning and giving. There's people start giving comments and uh, answers to advice before we can actually answers the question before we can actually respond to it while we're working, you know? So like, awesome. Great. Thanks, guys. But again, it, it was so heartwarming that we <laughs> the other night, uh, Ryan and Ovina and I got out on the Skype and we met about the debug lounge show. We're like, we need to get this started, you know playing out when we're going to do the first interviews and we, and Obina on the call, he wrote a post, he posted it. He's like, all right, I posted it. All right. We have two guests already. It's like within 10 seconds. And I was like, that's amazing. And within like, you know, within a minute, there's like eight people already responded. So we can't thank you guys enough. That's awesome. We'll get to you. Keep posting. And we might, and I guess we'll, we'll keep posting, uh, you know, every time we have a new scheduling period, like every, I think we're going to aim for two to three interviews every two weeks. Right. So 
that that'll probably be there. But we're going to look for some kind of better solution than just, you know, respond in the comments as fast as you can. Maybe <laughs> exactly. maybe sign up, maybe we'll do a little lottery thing, because I mean, a lot of people want to do and I understand because everybody wants to talk about their game and get it out there. So that's awesome to us because that's all we want to do is talk to you guys. So go to the lounge for that. Like I said, you can go to our website. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Andrew underscore Curry. That's C-U-R-R-I-E. Mine is at O-Beans. That's O-H-B-E-A-N-Z. I never did that before. <laughs> <laughs> First time for everything. Uh, my, you have a good yeah, one. You just yeah, spell it's, it. It's um, mine's uh, at R-E Kilgore. And that's R-E-K-I-L-L-G-O-R-E. Oh my God. There's two L's. I don't know, Eduardo's. His is like some cryptic number Who's? sequence or something. Eduardo. 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 Actually, it's, it's like Eduardo CF 1989. Oh, is that it? I think I got it. Dude, we just need to get him the wow. Cuban Rambo. I mean, that yeah. Rainbow. Yeah. Both. <laughs> Can you alias that shit? Do it. <laughs> I don't think he wants Rainbow, but whatever he's Sweet. getting. Sweet. All right, all right. Anyway, so without further ado, thank you for listening. This is Obina out. Peace. <laughs> Zach, see you. Ryan, mic drop. Whatever. I don't even. It, it gets weird quick. It gets so much metal. I don't, I don't know what the hell happened with that. Yeah, he keeps talking about nipples <laughs> and milking. Lactation part of her And she has lactation. He's obsessed with lactation. Oh man, that's funny. That was good. I thought that was funny.